My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Marie Antoinette. I, I mean, Marion McKeown is with me. I, I mean, look, we all make mistakes. Black and tans, the all blacks. I mean, Marion, it is... It is hilarious. It's such a momentous visit. It will be remembered for this one screw up, no matter what he does over the few days. But this is the man. And in some ways, I know that other people think, oh, these gaffes are a sign that he's losing it. I just think it's very endearing. I find I find the gaffes. <laughs> you know what? I actually think that everybody just needs to lighten up. You know, I yeah. burst out laughing. I didn't just chuckle, I burst out laughing when I heard it. I was also full credit to Miriam Lord in the Irish Times. I was reading Miriam's coverage and I don't know how she does it. She is inimitable, but mm. she just captures it with the humour, but also that the sort of that laser sharp sort of perception that she has of everything. So, but um, the, the black, <laughs> sorry, the black and dance on the all blacks. And, you know, <laughs> I was reading it. It's uh, sure, a, a, an easy mistake to make. Give, give yeah, or take a hundred years. They're both pretty also, scary. It, it, it further humanizes the man because we all knew what he meant. <laughs> we all have elderly relatives who say things like the internets or the, you know, we, we, we move on. I found it really interesting that Donald Trump came out this week saying, what's he doing in Ireland? I mean, well, I have property in Ireland. I'm not visiting Ireland. Yeah. And all I could think was the during his tenure, how much we were aware that he wasn't welcome in so many countries and that the reason why he wasn't spending all his time visiting countries was there was no demand. Yeah, it was that people were dreading he'd invite himself. Like that awful, obnoxious relative or or friend that you dumped 20 years ago who rings you up and says, well, I'm arriving next week. I think every country in the world was. I remember in my days working on the Syrian crisis and regularly these people would want to come in, like, you know, executives from various NGOs or whatever. And we'd, to stop them coming in, we'd make up a crisis. We'd go, oh, no, no, there's a security alert. You can't come, you can't come. (laughs) I suspect that every country in the world was doing that when Donald Trump raised the prospect of a visit. That's a real inside baseball inside there, (laughs) Mary. I know, but you know what? Crises are being... And a lot of people in the background. Would, a lot of people would recognise that scenario. Whoever worked in the aid world, I can assure you, of those corporate office meddlers. But anyway, so but here's back a question, to though, really, really quick though, Marion. Over here, this is the most important thing. I've obviously yeah. back living in Ireland since 
August and traveling around Irishman abroad some of the time, it is the most important thing. It's the number one news story, despite everything that's going on, housing crisis and much, much more. How is it on the radar over there? Very low. You know what? I don't want to, because you're right, it is such a big story in Ireland. And you know what? It is important. This is the second, you know, president, I think American president, who really is after John F. Kennedy, who is a died in the wool in his heart, if not in his immediate past, Irishman. And he never stops talking about it. He didn't just pull this out of the closet last week. I've been covering Biden on and off for 20 years. He never never is in a room where he doesn't mention Ireland in some respect, whether it's his sainted Irish mother, his this, his that. He has such an affection for the country. And even, you know what I loved? I thought when he was asked about the weather and he said, you know, it's Ireland. So what? It's like <laughs> he's, he's irrepressibly cheerful. And I think it's really good to have a state visitor who's actually genuinely delighted to be there. He's delighted to be there. And I mean, for so many visitors and American presidents, it's a box to tick. I doubt very much Barack Obama was thrilled to bits at the prospect of spending a couple of days in Ireland, to be perfectly frank. I think Clinton loved it because for Clinton, it was like getting into a warm bath. Irish people loved him and Clinton goes where the love is. But I think for Biden, it's all about Ireland. And, you know, as I say, he's a hard guy to dislike. And I think it's nice to see him. He's getting such a rough time at home. I think it's nice to see the warmth of the welcome. And it will do his election prospects no harm because Americans are strange creatures. They like, even if they hate their presidents at home, they like to see them being treated with respect overseas. They like to see them being liked. And, um, and I think that there's certainly plenty of evidence of that I can't say the weather will do much for Irish tourism, though. God, it looked brutal. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm looking brutal. out at the sun is rising here and I'm looking out at blue skies. It is April and it is minus one degrees here. I was interested there. You just mentioned the rough time before we move on to our stories of the week. How rough is the time that he's getting at the moment? And what is the key issue that he's being hauled over the coals for at the moment, in your opinion? Well, I think one of the rough things is his approval rating is down at 42, 43%. There seems to be no, and I've always said this, that Democrats are just lousy at messaging. There seems to be no appreciation of the stuff that he's done on, not just on climate change, but on energy efficiency, that Americans are missing that bit. And they're all jumping up and down again about the price of oil going up again, and that petrol gas is more expensive for their cars. And they're jumping up and down about this intelligence leak as well, which is not actually Biden's fault. This is a Pentagon CIA issue. They're jumping up and down about Ukraine. And there's just so much hatred and divisiveness in the country. And of course, there's, a, you know, when you're president, I think it was Truman who said the buck stops here, but by God, the Republicans, and of course, now we have the, this debt ceiling coming up, and that is going to be, I suspect, a mess because the Republicans will not give in. And you're talking a couple of weeks, really, to June to when this becomes catastrophic, mm. like it's serious now. So I, I think there are so many things. And then, of course, the, the, you know, he's left an atmosphere in America where you had the young politicians in Tennessee, the two young black activists who are now lawmakers, like literally thrown out of the chamber in a way that was absolutely 
deplorable that I think being president of when I think for somebody like Joe Biden, who I think really is a guy who tries to see the good in people, who is a, of a sunny disposition, who is not a mean person, I think, in any respect. And I think who, as president, is trying to do what a president should do, which is to improve the lives of as many people as possible, you know, regardless of their religion, who they vote for, who they don't vote for, what their economic background is, etc., etc. And there was a, an interview on earlier with Jennifer Grantham, the Energy Secretary, and New York is turning its massive power base. It's turning it from um, to basically that it will be run by sustainable energy, that it will be wind power and various other things. And what was known as Asma Ali in New York will basically in a couple of years be cleared up. And I mean, this like for that, that this power will become sustainable. That is fueling and keeping the lights on for 8, 12 million people is astonishing. And these are the sorts of things that are happening. And this is what the massive big climate change bill brought about that to, to get this push towards sustainable energy, which Americans don't seem to realize will be so much cheaper for them as well as being cleaner mm. for them. And uh, the message just isn't getting home. So uh, honestly, I feel frustrated on the behalf of President Biden, Joe Biden, because he has done a lot of stuff, but people are just not recognizing it yet. Now, I think there will be things like, for example, the capping of the price of insulin. There are 8 million diabetics, as I said before, in America to go from paying eight hundred dollars a month or two thousand dollars a month in some cases to 35 dollars a month people will notice that that is huge mm. and i think those sorts of things will drip drip have an effect you know at, at some point you would hope but the messaging in america at the moment is so much about hatred and division and it's just so ugly and all of the you know this the transference i suppose where biden is being constantly accused of politicizing the department of justice and politicizing everything and actually just isn't the case. Merrick Garland is even-handed to the point that he's unpopular with Democrats who would like to see him being much more gung-ho about going after Republicans. And it's a it's not a nice time in America. It's I honestly you find it at times just wearing that the vitriol. I find, you know, the court hearings, and we'll talk about all this, of course, on on the abortion medication, what happened to Justin Jones and Justin Pearson in Nashville. There are so many things going on at the moment that are just not good. No matter and it would, it. of course, result in people turning off. I mean, I certainly feel that here too. The turning off of the news and trying to isolate yourself yeah. from yeah. what is taking place. And what does cross your radar then is really the only the most shocking. I don't know if Joe Biden has the option to sue anybody that criticizes him, but it is the week for suing so. people. It is the week for suing. <laughs> Look, you know, uh, we, let's start with the funny one, okay? Yeah. Let's start with Donald Trump suing Michael Cohen for yeah. $500 million. <laughs> I mean... I mean, it is, it is like a cartoon. Talk about no good deed going unpunished. Let's look up where this lawsuit came from. Michael Cohen initially took out a second mortgage on his home to pay off 
Stormy Daniels for Donald Trump. Okay, he t- he took out the money. He took out the mortgage on his own home for one hundred thirty thousand dollars, a second line of credit, and used that to pay Daniels because Trump was faffing around and wasn't coming up with the money. And Cohen wanted to protect him. Now that's what this five hundred million dollar lawsuit stems from. So as I say, no good deed goes unpunished, especially if you knock around with Donald Trump for more than five minutes. And I mean the absurdity of it. Okay, is just. You know, of course, Martin Cohen doesn't. I mean, I suspect at this stage, if he has $5 million, he's doing very well. But it's a meaningless lawsuit. I think it's to distract from a number of other things that are coming down the pipe very, very quickly, chief of them being the E. Jean Carroll lawsuit, the sexual battery lawsuit, which is due to start very, very soon, the week after next. And Whoa, uh, I was going to ask lawyer, you when this is due. That's really soon. Yeah. Trump, it's a jury selection scheduled to start on April 25th and the trial will likely start on May 1st. Now Trump is currently acting or asking his lawyers, the ones who are acting for him in this, are asking for the trial to be delayed. He was back in New York this week again because he had to appear back before Letitia James on a separate civil investigation into fraud at they are alleged fraud at, in, within the Trump organization. So I mean he is to be fair. He's juggling a lot of different legal balls at the moment. He's mm. got a, you know 10 or 11 criminal and civil cases that are all coming at him pretty quickly and very worrying for him. It, it seems that Jack Smith has unveiled evidence that Donald Trump, this is to do with the, I, you know, it, it's hard. I feel we should have a chart <laughs> or yeah, something yeah. we can point to. So the case we're now leapfrogging over to is the criminal investigation by the special counsel in Washington, D.C., Jack Smith, who is looking into two separate potentially criminal cases against Donald Trump. The one that we're talking about right now is the one where he stole classified documents from the White House. And I think that that is the only way you can push it. Well, we'd say he allegedly did because he took those documents. He Not only did he have no intention of returning them, but he willfully obstructed their return. But it turns out now that one of the things he was doing with the documents, and there is evidence of this, is that he took some of the documents to show them to his buddies to go, look, here's some really cool stuff. Oh, look, here's a map of you know, North Korea. This is, And this is why he wanted to keep all this classified information so he could put it on the table at dinner in Mar-a-Lago and show it to, to impress his buddies with the kind of cool stuff that he still had access to. I mean, yep, it yep. is mind-boggling. Well, it is mind-boggling, but totally fitting, right? It's yeah. totally yeah. in the teenage realm of many of the decisions. I'm going to sue you for $500 million. Are you going to do this to me? Well, I'll sue you. Yeah. You know, he punched me, mom. I punched him back. Yeah. The, maybe there is an argument for a chart. I'm sure that there's somebody uh, listening now with the artistic skills to be able to put this in a chart or find us a chart of some sort of where things are and where on the timeline they go. But the big tactic, as we've always said, is the delay. What are the chances that he can delay this E. Jean Carroll case? Because I'd imagine Um, this is a priority now to get this pushed into the distance. Yeah, he really doesn't. To me, this one has always been one that could be really, really very, very ugly and very, very damaging. And I think that the judge involved in this case, Louis Kaplan, is a tough, no-nonsense judge. He's a very well-respected judge, but 
tough. He's New York tough. And mm -hmm. now he has really been exasperated by Trump messing around in, in various stages of this case before now. And there was a lot of talk about whether or not this DNA evidence would be admissible. And then Trump would, he again, he kept stalling, saying he was doing stuff and stalling. And, you know, the, I think that Kaplan is at a point where he's like, oh, for God's sake, really. But I think also you want to be fair. And I think that Donald Trump could justifiably say, look, I was in Manhattan criminal court last week on a criminal case and being indicted. I was back yesterday with Letitia James on a civil investigation that might cost me a quarter of a billion dollars in fines. I'm now suing my former lawyer as well. And by the way, I've got another half dozen criminal and legal cases all at various stages of undress. I need a bit more time. And I think that he could possibly be given more time in this case. But we'll see. As I say, he's a tough judge. He might just say, you know what, tough look, you had this date in your diary for months now. It's up to you to make it work. And, you know, th there is that possibility as well. So we'll see. But as I say, th this case, I think, is going to be very difficult for Trump. I would imagine that he would love to settle it, that he would love to, if he could get away with just writing a check with no admission of any kind of liability, I think that is the route he would go. But E. Jean Carroll has said she doesn't want that, that she wants her day in court, that he has slandered her, that he raped her, and that basically she's not prepared at this stage to let him just get away with doing the rich man penance. Like you write a check, it, it's all over. It's all brushed mm -hmm. under the rug. So we will see. This is going to be extraordinarily difficult for her, I would imagine. And we'll see, we'll see what happens, how it all okay. plays out. Okay, so if it is the week for suing, the one that really hit the headlines was Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg suing House Republicans on Tuesday to prevent yeah. them from subpoenaing a former assistant DA who has criticised aspects of Bragg's investigation into President Trump. Yeah. Marion, is this normal? <laughs> or is none this, is this significant? None of, none of this is normal. I think it's significant, yes. I think none of this is normal in that Jim Jordan, and I know before we did joke about Jim Jordan's very sketchy legal education, and the fact that he is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee is an abomination. It's a joke, but it's an appalling joke. And he is so ill-equipped mentally, morally, in terms of integrity, in terms of everything, to lead a Judiciary Committee. So he subpoenaed, but basically he went after Bragg initially because he said he was doing Trump's bidding, basically. And he has no, I cannot tell you how little business, he has about as much right to call Alvin Bragg to Congress for questioning as he has to call the head of the Irish Supreme Court. I'm not kidding. It is literally that it is so beyond his jurisdiction. And even somebody as willfully ignorant as Jim Jordan must know that. In the Constitution, the state's courts and the federal courts are absolutely separate. You cannot lean on an elected DA if you're sitting in Washington and Capitol Hill. It doesn't matter if you're in the White House, the Department of Justice, it doesn't matter where you are. It You cannot do it. The states run their own criminal trials and that is that. And for Jim Jordan to, it was a publicity stunt and, you know, Alvin Bragg rightly stood up to him and pushed back very hard. And now I think Alvin Bragg is doing absolutely the right thing because I think it was never considered necessary before, but I think it might be time for a federal court to say to Jim Jordan and the Judiciary Committee, back off. 
you know where your jurisdiction lies, just back off on this one. And it really needs to be said in the strongest possible terms. But I thought you were going to say, Jarlett, that the big case this week is the Fox News Dominion, which mm, that, well, that's, that's, that's definitely, <laughs> definitely worth talking about. The judge yeah. presiding over this $1.6 billion defamation yeah. suit, which, you know, we can talk about whether that would ever be paid against Fox News brought by the voting machine company Dominion, if you haven't been keeping up with this, had indicated plans to appoint an investigator to look into whether Rupert Murdoch lied to the court over the extent of his involvement in the programming. Now, where does, what, like I hadn't heard of a special master <laughs> until a year ago, and now everybody wants a special master. Everyone, this another everyone's special master. <laughs> <laughs> They're all the rage. <laughs> this is, I do not know what Rupert Murdoch is paying his lawyers, but dear God, the last thing, now th this week the jury is being selected, the trial is starting on Monday, okay? The last thing you want to do at this stage is to piss off the judge, the trial judge, so badly that he's going to appoint a special master to investigate you and that he's already told you that he's going to sanction you and there may be more sanctions and a censure. Now, this judge who, again, you know, these judges, they're pretty smart guys. He, Delaware is sort of the corporate center of America. It's where all the companies are registered. So it gets a lot of very, very big cases like all the credit card companies have their headquarters there. A lot of companies have their headquarters there. And as a result, they have very experienced corporate judges. So th this judge, Judge Davis, is like he's been really exasperated by the Fox News lawyers for a long time on this. And he's really called them to book a couple of times in no uncertain terms. But now it seems that they did, which for any judge is the the cardinal sin that they dicked around with discovery, basically, that they did not hand over everything that they should have handed over to Dominion. And they did that deliberately. And also, and this is more egregious. Okay, I'll try and keep it very brief. Rupert Murdoch is the chairman of Fox Corp, the Fox Corporation. No question about that. Okay. Fox News, it comes under the Fox Corporation umbrella. Now, it turns out that Rupert Murdoch was also an officer of Fox News, which was basically concealed from the court. Now, this is really significant because the judge may have made different decisions with regard to discovery requests from Dominion if he had known that Rupert Murdoch wasn't just sitting on top of the Fox Corporation throne, but that he was actually down in the trenches in Fox News as well and was directly engaged there as an officer, you know, a corporate officer with Fox News. So he is furious about this. He's furious that Murdoch lied, that his lawyers lied, or at best they might say they misled or they didn't intend to or oh, they misunderstood. They omitted. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the thing they're saying, yes. that omission is a lie. Yeah, and it is. It is. This, and, the, and then, of course, the other thing is with this producer, Abby Grossman, that she was being, she's suing Fox separately now. She was a producer for Maria Baratomo, which was one of the shows that they just went berserk with the Dominion, the whole Dominion scandal and conspiracy theories and Cesar Chavez and Sidney Powell was on every other day and Rudy Giuliani and they were all just bonkers. Anyway, this producer, what she did, which is unusual for a producer, but there's nothing unethical about it. She taped all her conversations and maybe Fox is such a cutthroat place to work that you're going to get probably blamed for anything that goes wrong. So you want to protect yourself. Now, 
when she taped those conversations, she made the Fox executives aware and she sent them transcripts afterwards of every conversation. So involved in these conversations was Maria Bartoma talking to Rudy Giuliani before the show and after and producers and various other people. And they all made it clear, look, we all know there's nothing here. We all know this is a crock, but you know what? We're going to go along with it anyway. And in particular, one campaign official who basically said, look, we know George is right. We know that they did, that the Dominion tally tallies with the recount and tallies. We know there's nothing to see there, but you know, this is, we're saying this anyway. So it was all, it was all nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But this part of the discovery was concealed. And even though they had all these tapes and transcripts from Abby Grossman, some of them which are really damaging and really show the cynicism. And we've seen that from previous discovery, but I would argue this goes even a step further. So they kept those, they buried those, and then they eventually had to hand them over about a week or so ago. And as I said, this judge, Judge Javis, is now livid. And he has made his fury with Fox News very, very clear. And as I said, when you're going into a courtroom, and you're already not looking in great shape, the last thing you want is a judge who has already hauled you over the coals for messing around with discovery, for misleading, for omitting, for a whole host of sins that you, you know, you want to be going into that courtroom in the best possible shape with mm-hmm. it. And then hoping you'll get the benefit of any doubt in any judgments. But they're going in already so badly tainted that it's absolutely shocking. And this 1.6 billion, okay, Dominion is probably worth 100 million on a good day. So they were never worth 1.6 billion. But why the hell not go for a big sum? You know, I mean, why not? It will be up to the jury. And uh, jurors will also be getting a pretty bad taste in their mouth, I think, from the way that Fox has handled this. It's not just the cynicism leading up to January 6th. And there were also tapes of conversations that revealed that the Trump people were saying, yeah, don't worry about December 6th, don't worry about December 14th. The big day when this is when it's going to happen is going to be January 6th. So that they were planning, really, it shows for weeks and weeks and weeks before January 6th, that they would send two slates of electors, one Republican and one Democrat, and that Mike Pence would pick the Republican slates and Trump would win. So, you know, it really, I mean, I think that that's something that very possibly Jack Smith will be interested in as well, because he's also looking into the criminal aspects of what happened on January 6th and what happened leading up to January 6th, including, I was really interested, Charlotte, because we spoke so long ago about the scam, the big steel scam, where Trump was raising tens and tens of millions of dollars hand over fist by saying the election was stolen we was robbed i need money so i can pay for recounts and i can pay for legal actions and then he got the guts for a quarter of a billion from his supporters and he basically just pocketed the whole thing so 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 now yeah. I mean, that seems to me like a pretty straightforward case of fraud but jack smith is also now looking into whether this is criminal fraud as well so there are so many chickens coming home to roost that they must be <laughs> They must be homing pigeons. (laughs) There's a lot more to talk about in the second half of our conversation with Marion. And I want you guys to hear it. Come over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad and start enjoying the full back catalogue. I mean, this is maybe the best archive of podcasts out there. I don't know anyone that offers hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of interviews with the greatest Irish people ever to have lived and also double-sized episodes with Marion each week. And as we head to 2024, you're going to need this in your life. You'll need the full conversation because I always find, Marion, I don't know about you, but in the second half, we really do get to 
the stuff that's off the beaten track and the deeper yeah. detail of a lot of these stories, including one story you mentioned that I really need to talk about, Justin Pearson becoming the second expelled Tennessee lawmaker to be reinstated. I'd really like to dig in what took place here. And also my favorite new section, Wait, Wait, It's Not That Bad, where Marion actually produces a story <laughs> that's going to make you feel good about what's happening in the world. It's all over on patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encourage espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.